podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome back to Rival Recon here on Anfield Index Pro. The Reds continue to wade through their ongoing identity crisis. However, a comfortable 2-0 win over Rangers in midweek finally saw a change in shape from Klopp. A change that could perhaps be the way forward if Liverpool are set to rediscover their top form this season. On this week's pod, we're looking ahead to this Sunday's game and what will no doubt be a very stern test of whether Liverpool can shake themselves out of their recent funk. As the Reds head to North London to take on league leaders, yes, league leaders, Arsenal. Joining me on the pod today to share his views on the progression the Gunners have made under Arteta this season and how well new signings have settled so far, I'm happy to welcome on football journalist Adam Clancy. Welcome on, Adam. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, good to speak with you. Uh, like when this, when this fixture rolls around, whether it's away, whether it's at home, uh, it's always, uh, particularly, uh, sort of relevant one for me. Uh, having grown up in North London, lost, lost of my family, the WhatsApp chats come alive like this time of season. Uh, like they don't do at any other point during the season usually, although actually I think given, given how well Arsenal have, have started this campaign off, um, it's, it's been pretty lively in there anyway. So I, I've got a lot of riding on this even before, even before we dive into the discussion. But I just wanted to, before we get into this season, how well Arsenal started it and maybe some of the, the particular points around sort of why things have gone so well. I just wanted to ask you, I mean, I, I spoke with, with Phil, um, Costa around uh, sort of Arsenal in pre-season, spoke a little bit about how last season ended and sort of the, the taste that were left in your mouth really. And just, I just just wanted to ask you. I mean, how were you thinking, given how last season ended, where sort of just teams sort of ran out of gas a little bit, uh, and how hopeful were you at, at the start of this one? Um, yeah, that was a good, that's a good point. Um, at the end of last season, um, of course, it was it was disappointing in the end uh, to be so close to that Champions League spot. We haven't been there for, I think, six seasons now. Um, and we, we're absolutely craving it as fans. We, we all want it back at the Emirates. Um, and just to lose, lose out by a couple of points, especially to your biggest rivals was really disappointing in the end. But I like to think that the end of the season shouldn't really tail off how well of a season we actually had. I think we had a good season overall. Um, before the season started, I don't think any sort of realistic Arsenal fan would have expected us to qualify for the Champions League because of the back-to-back eighth-place finishes. And Mikel Arteta's job was actually in jeopardy at the start of the season because we'd lost our opening three games and we were bottom of the league and Tottenham were top of the league. And it, it wasn't good times being an Arsenal fan. Um, but yeah, we, we blended a lot of uh, good, good young players into the team. Like Saka got um, more, you know, much more game time under his belt. Same with Emil Smith Rowe. Um, you know, we got we got such a young, exciting team at the moment that <laughs> this, you know, the sky's the limit with this team. And mm. I think, I think the main thing about last season was just trying to get the fans back on side. More than anything, I think Mecca Arteta did a good job with that. Um, we had a lot of good times at the Emirates. Um, our football was a lot more exciting than it was the season before. During during the COVID season, we you know we we really struggled to score goals. We really struggled to create chances. Um, and in that season, we only 
pretty much found out about Emil Smith Rowe when uh, he was pretty much forced into the team because Willian wasn't performing for us. Uh, he's gone now, obviously, but wow, yeah, um, Willian, remember the remember those days? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was signed um, to be our new attacking midfielder, and he had a brilliant first game against Fulham. Um, got a couple of assists, but yeah, um, the less said about Willian, the better, really. Um, yeah. and you know, young Elmer Smith Rowe came in and mm-hmm. he, he did very, very well for, you know, a teenager at the time to come into that side and with Saka next to him as well. Uh, obviously Martinelli and, and, you know, now they're all forming part of the first team. And yeah, I think, I think overall, despite a disappointing end, I think we had a good season and, you know, just to get back into Europe. I think was the main aim for us and we did that and now we're really reaping the rewards I think from this season. Yeah I think you're right I, th- I think you, you, you touch upon a couple of interesting things there around sort of the, the fact that there's so many young exciting players in the team and, and sort of they were the the real key players for you guys I guess that get, sort of gave everybody you know the hope. I mean, f- firstly, when you're watching young players come through and play for your team, I think you, you always know that the, the audience are going to be much more on side, right? They're, they're going to give the benefit of the doubt to these players. Uh, some of those come through the academy as well. There's going to be a closer relationship, and the fact that they're so young and they're all so young together, gelling together, I already just you know, gives you optimism for sort of what they could do in the future. So I, I think it, it makes sense to me that even sort of with the disappointment of, of how last season ended, that, that fans would still be would still be hopeful about what was going to come next. And then, I mean, looking at sort of the players who have come in and gone out then, I mean, we look at the sort of the departures. You know, Nuno Tavares has gone on loan to Marseille, wasn't quite ready for the Premier League just yet. Nicola Pepe uh, gone to Nice. Uh, Lacazette, the old man of the team, uh, <laughs> headed uh, on a free transfer to Lyon. Bellerin, after many, many years at the club, heads back to Barcelona. Uh, Leno, <laughs> over to Fulham. Lucas Torreira had sort of stunned that he was still on the books to Galatasaray. Guendouzi, the fabled Guendouzi as well, off to, off to Marseille. That's a lot. I probably left some players out there as well who've departed. But then coming through the door, I think, especially relevant to talk about, right? Gabriel Jesus, Zinchenko, uh, Vieira, uh, Matty Turner, um, and uh, there's a young right winger as well who, who came through from Sao Paulo, Marquinhos. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. of course, the end of a loan, which feels like a big, big signing, especially given how he's done. Uh, you know, so the the second unveiling, if you will, a second coming of William Saliba, who I know we'll talk about um, as well. So, I mean, just in terms of the the types of signings that the club had made there, uh, what did you think of them? Even before even before they kicked the ball, what did you think of them? Uh, and what do you think it says about sort of the direction that the the club is going in? Well, first of all, I think each and every one of those signings, you know, are are really spot on, really on the mark for the club and what Arteta wants to do. I don't think it it might have been a surprise at the time, but I don't think it was a surprise that he went to his old club, um, Man City, who um, it was pretty public that a couple of their players were unhappy with their game time. And, you know, Arteta took advantage of that. And being a good friend of Pep Guardiola, he, you know, has kind of said to him, you know what, um, Jesus, he's, he's unhappy at Man City. He wants more game time. He wants to be the leading striker for Brazil at the World Cup. We needed a strike desperately. Um, even... Even last season, we needed a striker desperately. We let um, Aubameyang go, which was a big decision by Arteta. It was a brave decision, um, but he wasn't on form at the time and you know, was our highest earner and he did have discipline issues, etc. Now, it feels strange seeing him in the Chelsea shirt now, but um, he let, he's let Aubameyang go, he's let Lacazette go and we were left with poor Eddie Nketi up front who did very well towards the end of the season, but he was he was playing every game and he didn't really have much competition. So we we knew we needed a striker. Um and as soon as we were linked with Gabriel Jesus, I mean I think everyone was excited as an Arsenal fan because because we've seen him play in the Premier League before. We know what he's about. 
He's, you know, he's an absolute pressing monster for a start. Like, forget his goals, forget his assists. He's an absolute pressing machine. And he's exactly the kind of player that, that Arteta likes. He's got that extra work rate, that extra energy. He's also got that Brazilian flair. And obviously we've got Edu as the technical director. And he's obviously helped a lot with that signing, evidently. Um, and we're starting to build a nice little Brazilian contingent at Arsenal. And, you know, um, Jesus, I think all the signings have shown a lot of promise, but Jesus for me has been the game changer. Uh, five goals, three assists in eight games in the Premier League. Um, all the talk is about Erling Haaland at the moment and rightfully so, but to get for Man City to get Erling Haaland at the club, they probably had to let Jesus go and we've, been the beneficiaries and I don't think it's a coincidence that we're the top two teams in the league at the moment because because of that and Zinchenko he's, he's had some injury problems at the moment but um, he's been a breath of fresh air as well he's keeping a good left back in Kieran Tierney out of the team and you know for years not just last season well, which I think was our biggest problem but for years we've been complaining about squad depth and you know key play when we lose key players can players come off the bench and perform and perform to the same level as those key players and you know to have Zinchenko and Tierney as your left back options Fabio Vieira it looks a very class player um he hasn't played much um but against Brentford especially he um he ran the show really um very, very good. Very technical player. Again, very a very Arsenal-type player. Um, he's going to do very well, I think, as well. Um, and, you know, he can understudy uh, Erdegaard, but he could also push him as well. And this is what, we, what Arsenal fans have been wanting for years. We wanted this, you know, this level of squad depth. And I don't think it's, just, it's a surprise that Man City have won the league you know, for, for the last five years. And I think as good as Liverpool have pushed them, I think just that extra little quality on the bench, that extra squad depth um, is what's pushed City on. And yeah. I think we're, you know, getting mm. to that point now. We could do one or two more players, I think. But we're getting to that point now where our bench looks very strong. Uh, loads and loads of good players on the bench that we can bring on and... Yeah, it's, it's exciting times, but I, I can't fault the recruitment at all. And I think a lot of people do forget that we're not in the Champions League this season. So to get the calibre of players that we've got, especially, you know, the likes of Jesus for a non-Champions League club, I think is exceptional business. I think I think we've done very, very well. Yeah, you can tell sort of the club there sort of leveraging those relationships that existed between Arteta uh, and those players who he'd obviously worked with beforehand and obviously with Guardiola as well. Um, yeah, it just looks like a great atmosphere, great environment for young players to come, uh, improve themselves. Maybe some of them view it as that they'll, uh, as a stepping stone at, at, at this moment in time, but given how the club are actually playing, I mean, I'm sure they'll be, <laughs> they'll be reconsidering that perhaps as well. One player I, I want to touch on, we'll come on to sort of talk about how the players have done so far this season is William Saliba, right? I mean, this defender signed loads of hype around him as well, then didn't play out on loan, <laughs> gone. Uh, um, but yet, yet a frequent topic on Twitter. I used to see amongst Arsenal Twitter about William Saliba. Uh, he's come back, and surely, even uh, if you were his sort of greatest fan, you wouldn't have predicted him to 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 take to the league the way in which he has done so far, right? No, that's very true. Um, obviously, I knew about Saliba when he was on loan, and you know, winning. I think he won Young Player of the Year in France, um, and Marseille came second, only to PSG. So he must have done well. I, I'll be the first to admit I didn't see much of him perform. I, um, I saw a couple of European games and I think the odd league and game on BT Sport and that. So I can't say I wasn't, you know, I watched him every single game and I was an expert. Um, but I knew he had promise. He, he came from St Etienne. Um, he partnered with uh, Wesley Fofana, who's 
know, got a big money move to Chelsea. Um, you know, these the French national team, the every position but centre backs like stacked seem to produce <laughs> so many good young centre backs. Absolutely unbelievable. Um mm. yeah, we got another one at ours, haven't we? Got Canate yeah. over at ours as well. They're absolutely Canate, loaded. If Makano, Jules Kunde, you know, there's absolutely loads and all playing for top teams in Europe. And yeah. And then you've obviously got Varane as well, who's, who's been a mainstay and is still relatively young himself. And um, you've got President Kim Pembe from France and from PSG. So many, so many, so many good centre backs. But that's, that's one thing, I guess, if you go away from Arsenal, that Saliba's now the starting centre back for France, which considering how many players they've got in that position is incredible. And it looks like it's going to be the starting centre back in the World Cup and it's just testament to how good he's been I mean he's he's obviously received rave reviews and rightly so he's had a couple of man to match awards he's mm-hmm. even scored a couple of goals for us as well but what kind of defender is he? he's dare I say it because I don't I don't want to obviously put pressure on his career but he go. reminds me of a young Van Dyke. there we go <laughs> he's, he's and you know he you know, Van Dyke will get to see more of him in the flesh, obviously, on Sunday. But um, he's tall, but he's also very quick. He's so... I think the word that epitomises Saliba is calmness. He's so calm on the ball. It's almost scary how cool he is on the ball for a, for a player so young, especially in the Premier League where, you know, the majority of teams play that pressing game now. Um with the way, you know, Guardiola and Klopp have introduced it, a lot of teams, rightfully so, want want to copy them and want to copy their style. And um even when play even when players are rushing at him, when he's when he's got three or four players around him, he always finds a way out somehow. Like um and I think Liverpool will be a big test if they're if if Liverpool are on are on song on point and they're well up for it and they play their normal pressing game, it'll probably be Saliba's biggest test so far in an Arsenal shirt. But you know, I, I back him to get through it because he's an unbelievable defender for for someone his age. And um, one other thing to note is that you know he's he's forced Ben White to play at right back, our, our fifty million pound signing. Um, and while Ben White's doing a good job there, he's he's obviously a natural centre back, and you you can't drop Saliba at the moment. You just can't drop him. Um, and you know he's he's forced a fifty million pound player to be mm. to come out of his position because he's been that good. And you know I think a lot a lot of Arsenal fans knew he was a good player. He was a promising player, but I can't imagine any Arsenal fan can imagine how good he actually has been or how good he looks in the fresh in the flesh. He he looks like a Rolls Royce, honestly. Yeah. I mean the Van Dyke comparison as you mentioned, I mean I think it's yeah, calm as you like is I mean th- there's there's a reason why that's the chant for him. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that's always been so noticeable about him and uh yeah, I think you'll you'll know that uh Saliba's got to the level of Van Dyke is that when uh, other teams, opposition fans start uh uh, counting sort of dribbles past him. That, I think that was the stage where it got to with Van Dyke, where I think Pepe, Nicola Pepe, maybe, I think, I, I can't remember who it was, but when somebody eventually dribbled past Van Dyke, uh, it was like, it was like, oh, yeah. it was like that online for weeks. Actually, we, we, yeah, Arsenal fans milked that for I weeks. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah. that's when you'll know that sort of Saliba's reached the, uh, the heady heights and he's, uh, he's, he's living rent free in people's heads for it. But, but yeah, he's, he's had an outstanding start. And another player who's had an outstanding start that I wanted to mention is, and you've already talked about him, is Gabriel Jesus. Long sort of wondered how he would cope being the main man of a club like Arsenal. Uh, you know, some of the pressure on him. And I've been amazed by how fluid his role appears at times and just how, how tenacious he's been. Clearly, this is a guy who, as you said, is desperate to be there playing for his country at the World Cup. I think he's pretty much secured that he's going to be going uh, at this stage. Uh, but, I mean, just how... 
I mean, it's clear that you rated him anyway before he he signed for the club. But what's what surprised you about sort of the way in which he's taken to um, taken to the team, uh, taken to the new role as sort of the leading man? And uh, I mean, h- how is he being deployed by Arteta? Um, you know, aside from his quality, I think I think the most surprising thing that struck me about Jesus is his technical ability, and that sounds quite strange because you know he's Brazilian a lot of Brazilians do have those those magical feet and those wonderful skills but Jesus on the ball is one of the best technical players I think I've ever seen and this is coming from an Arsenal fan who you know seen the likes of Fabregas, Cazorla, Ozil you know all these top midfield players over the years even even before under Arsene Wenger or you know, all these great technical players. He's, he's one of the best technical players I've ever seen in my life, honestly. Um, that he dances with the ball, like with his feet. He's Samba Brazilian flower. I don't know how to explain it. Um, you might see a couple of glimpses on Sunday, but he, he's so quick. He, you know, he shifts the ball one side, then the other, and he makes defenders dizzy. Um, I think I saw a stat today that um, him and Martinelli or something like that have completed the most dribbles in the Premier League this season. It just didn't surprise me. He's technically outstanding. And um, as I said before, he's got five goals, three assists in eight games. He's, He's contributing every game. And a lot of, a lot of rival fans like to play down the start we've had. Saying, you know, we haven't, you know, we haven't played a Liverpool, we haven't played a Man City yet. Um, but honestly, we've, we've made very good Premier League teams look very ordinary. Um, and Jesus almost toys with each opponent he had, he has. And in pre-season, it was the exact, it was exactly the same. I think his debut might have been his debut game. He scored two goals, I think, a couple of assists as well. And he's, he's pretty much in the first minute or two of the game. He dribbled past something like three defenders, got to the byline, sort of cut inside and produced this wonderful finish. And straight away, I think Arsenal fans were in love with him. Like he, he, I think it was because we've been lacking that, that striker, that sort of complete striker for so long. That now he's come, he he has the potential, honestly, to be well wherever he wants to be. He's only tw- he's only twenty five, which sounds crazy because he's been in the Premier League for so long. He was signed by Man City, I think, as a teenager. Um, but you know, he he I'm not saying he's going to be you know as good as Henri or or Dennis Burkamp or even you know likes of Van Persie before he went to United, like all these great strikers we've had, but he is up there, honestly, he he's up there. Um, and yeah, for me, um, it's his work off the ball and his, and his technical ability that stands out for me. Um, aside from his magical feet, <clears throat> sorry, he's off the ball. Mm. He, he works, uh, he works so hard. Like he, he chases down. He chases down lost causes. Um, he's he's a pressing. As I said at the start, he's a pressing machine. He's a monster. He he does not give anyone any time. Doesn't give any defenders any time. And you know when you've got Martinelli as well, he he does the same thing. Like it's it's really really good to watch. Honestly, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch on Sunday as well. Cause I think. Obviously, we'll come on to talk a little bit about you know, Liverpool's struggles so far this this season. It looks like there'll probably be a change in system as well, given what we saw against against Rangers. But I think one of the things that we're seeing there is some of those players who are aging a little bit and maybe a bit finding it a bit more difficult to. I mean, I, I think Henderson's always found it, found it difficult to deal with being you know, really pressed, really forced to play under pressure. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see how Martinelli <laughs> and, uh, Jesus, who they look to target. I'd be, I'd be interested to do, to see how they do that, uh, on the weekend as well. But one player I want to talk about, not a new signing, like a new signing, given the places he's and the positions he's popping up in, um, 
uh, goal-scoring midfielder Granit Xhaka. I just wanted to, to, to ask you, I mean, this has been a, a fascinating saga uh, of any player, uh, sort of any player's time at a club, I suppose, and he's really gone through it. Uh, the fact that he's now this goal-scoring midfielder making these late, intelligent runs into the box, I mean, what, what have you made of that transformation? Um, honestly, it's, it's surprised me because... I mean, the Arsenal fans are sort of used to the granite jacket that sat, you know, just in front of the defence, sort of got things ticking. Um, I didn't realise how, how mobile of a player he can be. <laughs> because yeah. I think Jacker's, one of Jacker's main criticisms in his early days at Arsenal was he was just too slow on the ball. He, you know, he, he's a very good passer. He's, he's never lost his passing ability, but, he just seemed too slow in the ball, took too many touches. Um, and that's where he got himself into trouble. He often found himself last man picking up silly yellow cards. He's picked up one or two red cards as well. But in this new role, he, he's thriving, but I think mainly because he's not been given as much defensive duties. Mm. Uh, I think when, I think when Arsene Wenger signed him, I think hey, he might be the only, Maybe him and now Nenny might be the only Arsene Wenger signings left in the squad. But wow. when Arsene Wenger signed him, um, I think he th- he thought he was going to find him as his new number six, as his new holding midfield player. Um, he played a similar role at um, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Um, he wasn't really an eight. He, he was more number six. But I think adapting to the Premier League and and... You know, Arteta's obviously coached him to to play that kind of role. Um, he's really, really thriving off it, and I think because he has you know, the likes of Thomas Partey behind him for that bit of extra security, he's given more license to go forward. And he's always had a wand of a left foot. He's he's always he's always had a good shot on him. He's always had a good passing range. So going forward. It, when he gets into those positions more more times, I'm not really I'm not really surprised he's scoring goals now, and not really surprised he's picking up the assists. But it's just I think the energy and the mobility I think is the most surprising thing about him at the moment. And you know, kudos to him. He, a lot of Arsenal fans thought he was going to leave the club uh, a couple of years ago when um, we obviously had that incident at the Emirates, and he was he was booed off. At, I think wrongfully so. I, I'd never personally boo my own players, but um, he was having a torrid game. I think it was against Crystal Palace and he got taken off, I think, by Unai Emery um, and he got booed off by by the fans and he started cupping his ears. He started you know, sarcastically applauding and that's when he lost his captaincy and now he's he's back in the captaincy group. He's, he's not the main captain. Martin Odegaard's the captain, but... Him and Gabriel Jesus are now part of the new captaincy group, and it's it's honestly it's it's a really fascinating story. It's a it's he's a revelation, and he says he's undroppable at the moment as well. A lot of Arsenal fans were calling for a new number eight in the summer, especially when we were linked, you know, to the likes of Yuri Tielemans from Leicester. But Granit Xhaka this season is un is undroppable. At the moment, he's playing a lot like he does for Switzerland, where he's he's the main guy for Switzerland, especially in that midfield. And we start with finally starting to see that kind of form at Arsenal. And it honestly, it's it's really, really, really nice to see. And he's got his own he's got his own chart now as well. Um, he's um, he did an interview over the weekend um, with Zinchenko, I think, and he kind of made a joke um, that. We'd already that we'd already made a song, but Jacker hadn't had a hadn't had a chant um, for six years. He said it's been club six years and he hadn't had a chant, and now we've got a chant for him, which you know I think shows how much you know he's, he's won the fans over. And honestly, he's he, he's been absolutely brilliant this season, arguably one of if not played the season at the moment, just just by how the level of how he's improved. Yeah, no, it's been a remarkable turnaround for him, really is. Um, and I think yeah, he, those late runs that he's making uh, pretty intelligently as well, I think that's one thing I'm going to be looking at on the weekend. I think it's one thing that maybe would surprise 
sort of opposition fans when they think about Liverpool and uh, Jurgen Klopp Liverpool is that um, sometimes uh, the midfielders in Liverpool's team just really do not bother, actually, weirdly, to track uh, runners from midfield. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple that do. Thiago does. Fabinho does uh, sometimes, I think, as well, when he's not when he's not knackered. Um, uh, Ginny Wan Adam certainly did, did as well, but Milner, Hendo, they're not they're not really doing it anymore. Whether it's just you know, too much ground to cover, whatever it might be, they're not the most defensively minded players anyway. But that is that's a key theme I'm looking at on the weekend, where I can imagine seeing Xhaka run off one of them uh, and uh, yeah, having uh, having an effort free in the box. I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I'm, I'm hoping we do get a uh, a uh, sort of blast from the past performance <laughs> where, he sees, where he sees red or something like that. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see. He's certainly improved massively. And I mean, were, were there other players there that I've not mentioned that you think really deserve a mention so far this season in terms of who's been the key players for you? Um, I think there are probably one or two unsung heroes. Um, I think one you probably have to mention is probably Ben White, um, who. I was, you know, singing his praises earlier, but he's a player that I don't think gets enough credit um, for what, especially this season, for his performances. He's he's a player who's playing out position, and you no, know, he's you know he's still overlapping Saka when he needs to. He's being relatively solid defensively. Um, obviously, it helps having Saliba next to him, but. He's, you know, he's keeping Tommy Asu out of the side at the moment, and Tommy Asu was one of our most consistent players last season. Yeah. It's a brilliant signing, and he can't get in the team at the moment. Because I was going to say, just on Ben White. Sorry, to, sorry to jump in there, but like as you mentioned, centre back playing right back. I mean, sometimes you used to see these you know, centre backs when they get dragged out into those wide positions. Obviously, this time he's actually starting there, but when they get dragged out into those positions, they sometimes. You know, look look far more vulnerable than than they are sort of when in the centre of defence. And I, I just wanted to ask you, I mean, as as well as he's doing, I mean, how do you how, how do you think he'll fare against somebody like you know Luis Diaz, for example, or you know how has he fared against tricky wingers who've you know who've run at him uh, to date? Um, I mean, I, I rate Luis Diaz very highly, so I think he's he might have a tough game. I think. As poor as Liverpool have been this season by their standards, I think Luis Diaz has probably been one yeah. of the standout players, For probably sure. attacking attacking players. And you know we know what Luis Diaz can do. And I think if Liverpool are going to get something out of the game, I think that is probably an area to target for them. But Ben White has been very solid this season. Um, I think. Against against trickier against trickier wingers, especially wingers with a lot of pace that run in behind, I think he can. I guess he can he 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 can be susceptible to that. He struggled a little bit um, against Zaha in the opening game of the season on that left on was well, Zaha's left his his right hand side. Um, Zaha kept getting in quite a lot when um, Hakim Anderson kept. Um, putting the ball in up, ball over the top from centre back, and he sort of got beat a couple of times. But um, you know, I give I give that as sort of opening day nerves, and we ended up winning the game anyway. But all in all, Ben White's you know solid, and I think being a centre back by trade, he's going to have that extra sort of defensive awareness anyway. He might drop back a little bit, and the way we play, um, White doesn't tend to get forward too much. We we tend to play sort of three at the back in possession where, you know, we have those three natural centre-backs, then whoever's at left-back, whether it's Zinchenko or Tierney, will sort of move into midfield. And then obviously we've got Granit Xhaka. Um, so when the left-back goes into midfield, that's when Xhaka sort of bombs forward um, because he's got that player to cover him. And, you know, I tend Arteta's tactics and system is, you know, is another um, is is another conversation, but it's just fascinating and it's very, very similar to Man City and his and Guardiola's style of play. He's obviously learned a lot from him and the sort of moving parts um, are really fascinating to watch. And Ben White's a big part of that because um, he does tend to stay back a little bit more um, than the left back on the other side, but. Um, yeah, I think 
I think this season, I think Ben White's probably been one of, if not the biggest unsung hero in the team. I think Martin Erdegaard as well is, is a player that, for some reason, doesn't get as much praise, I don't think, from Arsenal fans as he should. He's he's a player that doesn't doesn't really, if I use the term stat pad, like he's he's not really someone who will get tons of goals and tons of assists like the wide players and the strikers do, but he's always finding that pre-assist. He, he's such a clever player. He's he's probably the best passer in the team for me. He find you know find always finds the ball through the eye of a needle, and you know he he he's a player that if if we start to dictate the game and, and really get going, it will be all through him. Um, and he, as captain, he leads, he leads this young team very well, being young himself. So I think in terms of, you know, not obvious names, I'd probably say White and, and Odegaard are probably a little bit underrated. I'd, I'd, I'd say probably by Arsenal fans. I don't know whether, you know, the wider sort of community, other fan groups feel the same, but, you know, but every, the fact of the matter is everyone's playing well for us at the moment. There's not one player I don't think who's had a bad season so far. And, you know, it's just so refreshing to see us be this consistent, um, mm. especially at the start of the season and especially in the lead up to such a big game. Absolutely. You no, know, yeah, I think Arsenal definitely come into this game despite their record. Actually, no, so it's, it's at the Emirates, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, they, they come into this game. On top form, expecting a pretty horrendous atmosphere <laughs> to try and deal with. Um, everybody pushing in the same direction, as you mentioned, the players full of confidence. On that, I mean, what have been for you some of the standout games, uh, that you, that you'd highlight in terms of some of the performances that you've seen, um, or games that sort of showcase you think how, when everything clicks, that's how M- Mikel Arteta Arsenal side this season looks like? Um, well, I think, I think Tottenham at the weekend is an obvious one to point out because it's against your biggest rivals. And aside from one or two breaks that Tottenham did have, we, we dominated that game. Um, possession wise, I think we had tripled the amount of shots that they had. Um, and we really stamped our authority on that game. And we were, we were at it from the get go, got an early goal with. I think a big difference for us from this season to last season <laughs> is we are getting a lot more early goals now. We're getting a lot more goals in the first half. We're really starting games off really well. Um, and last season, it didn't really, or maybe more the season before that, it didn't really feel like that, where we weren't starting quickly. And, <laughs> sorry, um, if... If you get one or two goals up in the first half, you've always got a good chance of winning games. So we're, we're, I think we're a lot fitter now as a team as well. I think you can tell by our energy and, um, we don't tend to tail off games as much as we used to, especially in the 70th, 80th minute. We tended to get a lot, a, a lot tired and, um, it was difficult for us because we were under the cosh, but, um, yeah, um, I think the Tottenham games obviously stand out and one that, you know, might surprise people is, you know, the only game we've dropped points this season, which was United at Old Trafford. Yeah. Um, I thought over the course of the whole game, I thought we were very unlucky to lose that game. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I thought we, I thought we were, again, I thought we were the better team throughout the game. Um, I think we were unlucky not to get that uh, VAR decision for us in the first 10 minutes or so, which could have easily changed the game. If we get that early goal, then it would settle our nerves. And, you know, every Arsenal fan will tell you, no matter how badly you think United are doing at the moment, we we historically just have, a, have an awful record at Old Trafford. And we always tend to freeze, you know, no matter where we are in comparison to them. And, um, of course, it was a shame to lose the game. Um, but honestly, before it went 3-1, we could have been winning 3-1. Like we had that, we had so many good chances. Um, and we dominated the ball, uh, as we have done in every game this season. And 
I think the fact that we Arteta got a little bit of criticism for making those you know three big attacking changes um, to really really go for that go for that win after we got the equaliser and United sucker punched us twice on the break. Um, but I think that was just testament to really how easy we were finding it. We, we were finding it almost too easy at times. And Arteta had faith and confidence and just said, you know what, we're going to bring all these, we're going to bring all these attacking players on and we're really going to go and win that game because we've had enough chances. And yeah, we got, we got hit on the break, unfortunately, but I'd say in terms of standouts, I think the Tottenham game obviously is a derby. Every Arsenal fan will tell you that beating Tottenham is is better almost than beating anybody else in this league, even the likes of Man City and Liverpool. Everyone wants to win that game and I think, you know, the United the United game especially, um, to dominate as much as much as we did at Old Trafford is you know, a testament to how well we've played and we really should have got a result there. We sh- should really be eight, for, eight from eight from eight, but you know, we're seven from eight. We're still top of the league. So we obviously go into this weekend's game with a lot of confidence. And, you know, let's, this, this for me is going to be our biggest mm. challenge yet. Um, even if Liverpool aren't quite at it or aren't quite at the level that we know they can be. This for me is the biggest biggest challenge yet because we know how cap what how capable Liverpool are when they are on song and even if they you know even if ninety percent of the players turn up it's going to be a difficult game so it's one to really look forward to definitely for a neutral anyway. Yeah, no, I think I'm, I mean I'm delighted that certain players are back. I'm delighted that uh, Diego Jota managed to regain. Regained fitness in time for this game. Um, he's obviously had a good record um, at the Emirates um, and was sort of very useful for us last season. I, th- I think the issue for Liverpool in, in, in all the games, I'm not sure how many you've seen, is just it was evident last season as well as controlling games on the ball um, and sort of not necessarily doing that now that some of the players are unable to do physically what they used to do a couple of years ago where they just control the game through, you know, their control of space, the pressing. We don't press anywhere near the same way anymore uh, and I think that's because there's some key cogs in that team particularly in the engine room who just can't who just can't get about the pitch in the same way anymore so still other ways to other ways to do things and obviously Thiago being back is a massive massive plus as well so I'm interested to see how we line up uh, for for that game because you yeah, have all the teams that have players that could find you know uh, pop up in half spaces you know drifting all over the place lots of movement lots of fluidity Arsenal are very much an example of that this season, so it's going to be going to be a real challenge of uh, you know, how disciplined Liverpool can be, I think, and then trying to be you know, clever, clever on the counter, use use some of that experience. But um, in terms of how you think the game's going to go, I mean, as you sort of leading up to it, there, I imagine uh, there's not going to be not going to be any amending of tactics for this game from Arteta. This is going to be, yeah, you know, we're top of the league, we're we're full of confidence. You're coming to our ground, and we're going to we're going to go at you. Yeah, um, I, I I expect that fully. Um, I think last season he didn't believe as much that he had the squad to sort of compete with the likes of City and Liverpool. I remember him starting off with five at the back away at the Etihad early at the se- early in the season, and we we got torn apart. We we got a red card in the first half, but Arteta doesn't usually change his you know style of play his philosophy and he did for that game and now I think he's got that much faith in his squad this this I think now is 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 a fully Arteta squad this especially our starting 11 it is you know is is what he would love is is exactly the kind of team I think he he like he'd like on paper um and yeah I think I think on current form and um you know, with us being top of the league and Liverpool being not quite at it as as much as they probably should be. Um, yeah, he's not he's not gonna change for this game. We're gonna hopefully start start well again, start quickly, um, try and get on the front foot, um, use our energy. Because that that's one thing you get with a young squad that we've got as 
as well as how good of a player they are. They've got so much energy on uh, on the pitch, and something that re- that Liverpool have been renowned for over the last few years is their pressing and their energy and their running stats. But you know, I think we've we've got that now in our squad, and um, I'm expecting us to give Liverpool a tough game. Um, but you know, as I keep saying, hmm. Liverpool, Liverpool are Liverpool. At the end of the day, you don't become a bad team overnight. Um, and if Liverpool are even ninety, ninety-five percent on it, it's going to be very difficult to win the game because they've got the they've got the game changers. You know, your Salas, your Diazes, um, and if if Van Dijk's up to his Usual standards. He, he he'll be tough to get round. Um, I do agree with the um, midfield element. I think what's let Liverpool down this season, personally for me, is a midfield. And um, I think Thiago's been a massive mess uh, for Liverpool. He's the one that can control the game. He's the one that can dictate things from midfield. And when he has been missing, when you've had the likes of you know, Henderson, James Milner, uh, other players in there as well. It's just not the, not quite the same. No. Yeah. You, when you have a lot, when 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 you have a lot of similar players, I think in midfield, it's you know, it's it's not quite the same machine that that you used there. I think Thiago just has that extra guile that you know Liverpool have been missing over the years, yeah. maybe um, and. Yeah, I think Thiago's a massive, massive boost for them. Um, but I still think, you know, each each of our midfield players, you know, Party, Xhaka, Erdegaard, they've all been brilliant this season. And if if we continue to play at our best, we, we you know, we'll, we'll do very well, I think, in the game. And, you know, as as I said, it's, it's going to be a fascinating watch, I think, for the neutral Um but obviously, it depends what teams turn up. If both teams turn up, then we could see a very high-scoring game. I think, which you know will be will be interesting viewing. Yeah, I think actually one player that's probably gone under the radar for Liverpool this season, given how they've been doing, uh, just Allison, just been incredible. I think uh, if if it was if it wasn't for him, I think things would be substantially worse because they're just yeah, uh, they're just not controlling games from midfield um, anymore. So I think it's. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for a 4-2-3-1 from Liverpool this weekend because I think it's it showed signs of being a little bit better because obviously when you're in a two, you can't go abandoning your position because you literally got no one behind you. So it's, it's, it sort of forces the discipline in a way. So yeah, I'm hoping for Fab and Thiago in there and um, yeah, Jota probably coming in to help them a little bit by dropping deep. So we'll, yeah, we'll see. I wonder, wonder if Nunes will get a an outing as well. I think he's unlucky not to score um, last night. It looks like he's starting to put things together as well. So, yeah, it'd be exciting to see how he gets deployed as well. But um, anyway, Adam, I mean, yeah, thanks so much uh, for, for all the insight. Just one question before I let you go is, so I guess, you know, top of the league at this this stage in the season, flying. I better ask you now, what are your expectations for the season? Uh, good question. Good question. Um, for me, um, for me, it's personally, it's still top four. For me, before the season, it was it was top four. For me, get back in that Champions League. That's that's all we've been wanting. And um, I know a lot of you know Arsenal fans might be a bit more optimistic than I am, and might think we're in a title race. Which you know you know they can think that, but for me, it's still very early in the season, and um, it might be different for some Liverpool fans. But I, I do expect Liverpool to to pick up eventually whether that will be after the World Cup or or maybe before it. But also, you know, Man City still look like the animal that they that they have been over the few years. And with Haaland up front, they can, you know, they don't even have to play well and they can, you know, they can guarantee two or three goals per game. Yeah, so if we were to finish above Man City, then, yeah, it, we'd be doing very well. Um, let's just say that. And, as I said, with Liverpool, they're in a bad place at the moment, um, just purely because of the standards that they've set themselves. They've been absolutely incredible, Liverpool, to even 
you know, be on City's uh, City's tails for the past few years. Um, incredible. Not quite at it this season, but I'm still expecting a tough test on Sunday. And for us, for us, for Arsenal, every season um, in the current state that we've been in with the club, every season it's top four in the cup for me. Until we can really truly believe that we that we can get back to being tied contenders, which yeah. I still think might be another another season, maybe another season or two away, but. We've got the the squad is young, it's, you know, it's the squad's got so much potential at the moment that we're only going to get better. We're not going to get worse, I don't think, from here. Um, and if if any team's going to challenge City for those titles over the next few years, I'd, I'd be quietly confident that it could be us because we, you know, we've got those players that could really, really grow into top world-class players over the next few years and it's really exciting at the moment being an Arsenal fan it's, it's a lot different um to what we were perhaps you know three or four years ago or so um but yeah for for me for now I'd say top four still um but if it gets to, to around March April and we're still up there then you know maybe we can dream about mm first Premier League title since since the Invincible season but you know it, it it's going to be tough but if you offered us top four and a trophy at the start of the season every Arsenal fan would have snapped your hand off so um, it's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah a couple of interesting games coming up obviously around sort of proving those credentials as you say Liverpool even sort of this uh, sort of beleaguered version of Liverpool and then City as well uh, obviously it'd be great if you can just um Take points off them, demoralise Haaland, some sort of existential crisis, whatever he needs to go through uh, to to not be doing what he's doing right now. Um, yeah, we'll take what, anything we can get. I'm sure the rest of the league feels the same way. But Adam, thanks so much for coming on um, and just yeah for sharing your perspective on on Arsenal this season. Um, and uh, to all those who've been listening, um, so obviously another another rival recon as these games really come thick and fast. What's that? About a game every two days now. It seems like for for the foreseeable future. Uh, and the next episode doesn't get any easier, of course. So I think the Reds pretty much have to put it together in these next two games. Otherwise, I think there's a real risk that they get battered because uh, the next game is obviously Manchester City as well after Arsenal. So uh, there'll be another episode ahead of that game. But between now and then, do listen to all the other great content on Anthem Next Pro. And yeah, we'll see you before that trip, uh, or Man City's trip to, that, uh, to Anfield, rather. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.